the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's the parable of the shrewd manager. It is our focus and our attention here today as we present Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. And again, welcome. This is Truth For Today with Pastor Emeritus Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. We are continuing our series called Parables from the Book of Luke, and we're looking at some of the highlighted parables in Luke. One of those parables is that of the shrewd manager or the shrewd use of money. We're in Luke chapter 16, looking at verses 1 through 13 today. We invite you to spend time with us as we glean insights into this parable. Here's Pastor Phil now with today's broadcast of Truth For Today. Would you rather lead an eight-year-old boy to Jesus Christ or hold on to your money? Would you rather influence a man for God, no matter his race, his color, his country, his ethnicity, uh, or just say, I've got a few more zeros on my account? Oh, God's trying to deliver us from being stupid about money, and money will make you crazy if it's your God. A man named Henry Fielding said, if you make money your God, it will devil you all your life. Uh, he goes on to say, uh, use money to gain an eternal welcome into the city. And I can stay here all day, but I must not. I, I think of all the benevolent kind things that have helped me on my journey. Uh, I know myself, I'm going to be on a lot of welcome committees. There's a lot of people I want to thank when we get over there. A lot of people. Will you be on any welcome committees? Did anybody ever help you through a trial, a struggle? Maybe not just financially, but they were there. Uh, I'm touched by a simple, plain woman when my mother was very, very sick. Her name was Margie Sinclair. And oh, a, a wonderful a uh, woman went to church with us in a little Pentecostal church. And uh, Margie came over and took care of my mother, mopped her floors, got her through a serious illness. I used to be so impressed with that woman because she, she was a, a happy Pentecostal. She was a hard worker. She had nothing beneath her. She'd do anything, clean toilets, mop floors, take care of my mother and her sickness. I just thought... Wow, when you're needy and when you can only groan in pain and you got a woman in there, let me do this, Sister Howard. I want to wait on you. Because if I do it in Jesus' name, I won't lose my reward. I'm doing this because I love Jesus. The life that is kept to itself only rots with its resources. And I am amazed how many believers, no matter how many years they've been saved, 
still hoard their life, hoard their resources. And I'm saying, don't you know they shrink when you hoard them? They multiply when you invest them. I, I will have the privilege of thanking many for their graciousness and kindness in my own life. He goes on to say in verse 10, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. Money is the little. Influence for God is the big, the the eternal. And so he's saying here, uh, if you can't pass a test with something little as money, but see, if it's your God, it's not little. Uh, if you get, give him uh, it godlike status, your trust is here, your peace is here, your security is here, uh, what you're worth, man, your, your self-image is here. Everything that's important is wrapped up in a spreadsheet that tells how much money you've got. If that's your God, it's no small thing. But if God is God, and this is just something he allows us to use, and something he blesses us with to pay bills, to help people, on and on. But boy, when you raise it to the status of a God, no wonder you can't give it. That's why you can't give it. But you see, money makes a terrible God, but it makes a wonderful servant to God. Turn it into a servant to seek the things of God first. Give it, and I'm still amazed at how the true and living God keeps the barrel filled. Tells the little woman, Elijah, give me the last meal. Give me the last oil. Serve the servant of God, and here you are, a widow with a boy. You can't feed him. And she feeds the prophet of God first, and the meal barrel never runs dry, and the oil never runs out. Figure that out. If you've got God at the wheelbarrow, and if you've got God at the meal, and at the oil, you don't have to worry about supply. He can supply more than you'll ever need. So money is a proving ground. I think of what he said about making men deacons. Never make a man a deacon who has not first been tested. You never make a man an officer in the church to encourage him. You never make him an officer of the church to promote him. Promotion's the last thing we need. You make people officers who are recognized by the quality of life they live. It's recognition of a track record. It's recognition. They're already servants, and they don't need a title. Have you ever seen people with a title that never did the function? And we've got other men that do the function, never got the title. They could care less about the title. They've already chosen to serve God and to be a servant. That's the kind of man. He said, don't ever put a man in an office and hope he'll give, hope he'll be faithful. Hope, never do that. He's already proven that. So money is a measuring ground. I've never seen God use anyone greatly who was stingy about money. It's contrary to everything Christianity is. So if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? What do you think true riches are? Well, I'll tell you one of them. Uh, Mrs. Johnson, uh, 
I, I know Mrs. Johnson, I never met Mrs. Johnson, but every time Rich tells his testimony, Mrs. Johnson was the Sunday school teacher that was able to take on a little red-headed looking boy and lead him to Christ. He, he, he remembers her to this day. I think of my daughter, Deborah. Uh, you know, everybody wants to lead their own children to the Lord, especially if you're a pastor. It doesn't look good for God to save your kids with somebody else. But I was living out in Pinot Valley with my brother, and there was a woman doing a daytime a Bible club. Went to an Assembly of God church out here. And if you, you, do, you have to watch out. My daughter came home and said, I just received Jesus. I said, wait, wait, I do that. That's, that's my privilege. Oh, no, I did it over this good news club. I, I think that's true riches. That's some, that, that little girl will last for eternity and will be there to remind that woman who said, well, I'm busy. I'm bu-. No, she wasn't too busy for neighborhood kids and do a good news study and led her to Christ. I think of Leanne Williams leading Rebecca to the Lord at the back of Holy Ghost Hall on a Tuesday night at a little a good news club we had at the church. And Rebecca comes to us after the meeting. Tonight, Dad, I accepted Christ. Leanne led me to the Lord. Man, two down. What is this? Do I get to lead any of them? And then Elizabeth got saved at the knees of her mother. I wasn't even there. You get the devil out of the way and God can save. That's the message. That's eternal riches. But I see some of you, you're better at counting your money and your stocks than you are impacting people. And all of it you're going to leave behind. And we won't care what you were worth in heaven. We're going to say, did you have any eternal riches that transferred? That stupid man that you said gave away too much of his money. I was listening to a message by W.A. Criswell, First Baptist, and he told the story how uh, the church was in a special need, kind of a stewardship campaign, and, and the uh, head of the household, the man, he said, well, I, I want to give this much. And she said, honey, I'm a little disturbed at the amounts of money you're giving to the church. It seems to me like our religion is costing us too much. He said, costing me too much? He said, you know, when we got married, we were both unsaved. We didn't own a stick of furniture. We had nothing. You know, I barely had enough clothes to cover my back. You know the shanties we lived in. Cost too much. Look at this house we live in. Look at these furnishings. Look at how God has poured it on to us. Cost too much. You know I was a drunk. You know I spent the money on Jack Daniels and booze, and there wasn't enough money for the milk for the children. Cost. It cost me giving up Jack Daniels for Jesus. Cost. You know our marriage would have never made it had I stayed in those bars and stayed away from God. But God saved you and I at that revival meeting. And we fell in love again. And we've raised our kids in the church. Cost. He said, I could never pay for what this God's done for me. I could never pay. Never pay. Don't let the devil lie to you. This is the cheapest deal you ever got. Eternal life 
free charge to Calvary and everything after this is the privilege of being used of God to turn resources into eternal influence. That the rest we pay bills, buy clothes, and, and get along in this life. But the greatest thing you're hoping for is that money I gave that's helping these Chinese people over in Partners Ministries, 10 of them right now, the folks being helped in Romania that I've never met or seen, the people in Bangladesh when I see those orphans' faces. And I think of people in this church that gave their money to build an orphanage. Oh, that's eternal riches Taxes can't take it, the bank can't take it, and the mortician won't get it. It will be there. It will be there. Well, I wish I felt strongly about these things. Uh, He says, faithful stewardship in verse 12 brings greater gain. If you're faithful with someone else's property... The stewardship of all God gives you, he'll give you your own things. I find out God has blessed most givers so much, they're able to give so much away, and they're amazed at how much they get to keep. No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and man. Or money. Um, I want you to think about the Lord Jesus. I first of all want to tell you about a young boy who was hearing his dad pray over some missionaries' needs. He was a wealthy dad. And he prayed, God, meet the needs of these missionary friends that he's mentioning. And after he said, Amen, his little son said, Dad... If I had your checkbook, I could answer your prayers for you. You could answer a lot of prayers if you'd be willing to write a check. You pray for that poor single mother all you want. and You can curse her for being single with a baby. But if you wanted to love enough and do the risk of investing in a poor fallen sinner, you could write a check to help her. But she may not be good enough for your money. If God would have thought that way, the throne would have been occupied with a non-wounded Savior. But you know what he said? I'm in heaven. I'm surrounded with angels. I've got everything one could ever need. I am God. I hear the seraphim saying, holy, holy, holy. But I look to the Father. The planet is in darkness and staggering far, far from you for eternal ruin. Father, I'm willing to be born in a poor village to a poor couple and die a poor man's death so much that I'll need to borrow a man's grave to be buried. And Paul writes when he encourages the church to give, never forget that though he were rich, Yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might be rich. I want to ask you, if Jesus would have stayed in the third heaven and never went to Calvary and never was beat, never crucified, none of us would be in eternal dwellings. 
For there's no way we could go unless he was willing to accept the poverty of a criminal's death. And he said, keep heaven. I'll lay aside the external insignia of my deity. I will be clothed with humanity by remaining God. I will suspend the use of my prerogatives as a whole. I will submit to the Father whatever he wants. If he wants me to do a miracle, I'll do it. But without his will, I'll do nothing. I'll rank myself under him, and I'll come for one goal. If the seed remains in the bag, John 12, it will abide alone. But I am the seed willing to fall in the ground on a hill outside of Jerusalem called Golgotha. And when this seed falls in the ground, I will see that literally millions of people will go to eternal dwellings because I was willing to be spent and willing to take a poor man's destiny that I might fill heaven with safe sinners. The only way you're getting to heaven is through God's poverty. Through God's poverty displayed in Christ at the cross. And I must say to the rest of you, I say to you Sunday school teachers, nursery workers, deacons, elders, faithful. We have about 350 to 400 servants that do the many ministries of sound, lights, uh, men that do lockup. Uh, one thing after another that seems insignificant on a human scale that uh, Ray Boltz captured it. He was asked to write a, a thank you for his pastor, for Pastor Appreciation Day. He said he had only eight weeks to come up with a song, and he, uh, he felt the pressure, didn't know what he would say. And so um, he got busy, and he said, I begin to think of my pastor, Eldon Morehouse, he said, I've heard a lot of great preachers, but he was more than a preacher. He was my pastor. And so he began to think what he could say. And then he said, I begin to think of people who had an impact on my life. And uh, he said, one of the many that he thought of was Reverend Harry Jones, who came to the tiny Methodist church my parents attended when I was a child. He was a retired minister, but was willing to take the church when no one else would. He also took the time to sit down with a 12-year-old boy and lead him to Jesus. So he wrote the famous song, I dreamed I went to heaven, and you were there with me. We walked upon the streets of gold beside the crystal sea. We heard the angels singing, then someone called your name. You turned and saw this young man, and he was smiling as he came. And he said, friend, you may not know me now. And then he said, but wait, you used to teach my Sunday school when I was only eight. And every week you would say a prayer before the class would start. And one day when you said that prayer, I asked Jesus in my heart, thank you for giving to the Lord. I am a life that was changed. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I am so glad you gave. Then another man stood before you and said, Remember the time a missionary came to your church 
and his pictures made you cry. You didn't have much money, but you gave it anyway. Jesus took the gift you gave, and that's why I'm here today. One by one they came, far as the eye could see, each life somehow touched by your generosity. Little things that you had done, sacrifices made, unnoticed on the earth, in heaven now proclaimed. And I know up in heaven you're not supposed to cry, but I am almost sure there were tears in your eyes as Jesus took your hand you stood before the Lord. He said, my child, look around you. Great is your reward. The givers always keep the most. For God will never let the effects of your gifts be lost. And they will welcome you in eternal dwellings. Think of the day when you get there. Will anyone be in the line that said, you taught me the Sunday school class that led me to the Lord. Uh, I was a missionary that you never met. I was somebody on a field that you never saw, but your money kept the pastor going that reached me with the gospel, and I was told by Jesus to get into your welcome line. Welcome home. Thanks for giving. Thanks for giving. And so, in a secular culture like we live in, materialistic to our toenails. When our kids are packing cell phones, iPods in every ear, technology abounding, and people saying, meet my needs, but most of them are greeds. God says, I'm not like you Pharisees that love money. I love people more than money. So we invest money to reach people who will be in eternal dwellings. I want to say to you, if you do not know Jesus Christ and money is your God, you need a real God. A God that can save you in the moment of death. A God that can save you and give you eternal life as a wonderful gift. Money cannot buy a marriage. Money cannot keep you married. Money cannot be rid of the cancer. Money, it is an illegitimate God and an impotent God. The true and living God has bled, died, came alive again, and wants to give you reality. It's knowing Jesus Christ and possessing the riches of all riches to possess God. I was thinking this week, I could not be any richer than what I am insofar as what really counts. I have eternal life. I know I'm going to heaven. I'm an heir and a joint heir. That's hard for you to believe. It's hard. For, I am part of royalty. I am a royal. You know what? Uh, I am what the Bible says I am. God is who he says he is in this Bible. I am what the Bible. I'm forgiven, adopted, an heir, a joint heir. You are all charged to Calvary. The rest is monopoly money. The rest is monopoly money. And so are you. So I take the teachings of the Lord Jesus and say, seem like I'm always telling our culture, why don't you part with what you will ultimately part with anyway? Why don't you give it to influence eternity? Our Father, thank you so much for your word and this gracious congregation. I pray that you would help us to reach 
the lost in our area, to reach the needy, the downtrodden, the up and out, those who have all of the stuff but do not have eternal life, do not have reality. I ask, show us, show us as a church how to reach our culture, not to curse it, but to reach out with a message of hope, a message of eternal life. May we not be lights under a bushel, but may we shine in these perilous times before the coming of Jesus Christ. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Our time today spent in God's Word to encourage you to bring you truth for today. If you have questions or comments about our time together, we would invite you to write to us. You can either visit our website and drop us an email, write to us via U.S. mail, or give us a call. Another way to reach out to us with your questions would be to simply record them on your voice memo app on your smartphone and then email that audio to tftquestions at valleybible.org. Our phone number is 855-833-9864. Our website, truthfortodayradio.org. And if you're writing to us, the address is 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278. Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. If you have questions about the ministry of Truth For Today and how we are funded to air on this radio station, we would love to talk with you. We are listener-supported, quite simply, and no gift is too small, no gift is too large. Whether it's a one-time gift or a monthly gift, it all goes back into the radio ministry, ensuring that it airs on this radio station. So would you consider that as you reach out to us here at Truth For Today? And then we invite you to come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Never.